Well, tonight we are looking at those not sent. That we have some people that have taken up the position of prophet, which we have already heard about in the weeks prior. And God has not sent them, and they all have a word from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, they say. But in this particular chapter, we have a prophecy that is directed directly against them. And so, in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 13, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy. Boy, there's a tongue twister for you. And say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. There's some powerful verses in there uh, for these um, for these warnings that are given. But he says of them that they that these prophets they're called prophets, and he doesn't seem to to in any way be sarcastic about their title of prophets. Just doesn't, doesn't um, even throw the term false prophet in there. He calls them, this is the word from the Lord, Son of Man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel. Now, I guess the best you could read in that is that they are not the prophets of God. But who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. Now, it seems in my time of the people that I've seen, and I haven't seen a whole lot of people that you would classify as a false prophet, I do try and stay away from them. <laughs> but, but sometimes, you know, you, you uh, rub elbows with somebody and you, you can determine that, hey, they're just not of the right spirit. But they are convinced, the ones I've seen, they are convinced that what they are hearing is the Word of God. And that's what he says here. And say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the Word of the Lord. That there are people... And there are some people who call themselves Christians too who cannot discern between their own heart and the heart of God. It's confusing for them. Now the more we get to know God, the more we can tell the difference. But not everybody spends the time that they should in the Word to find out the heart of God. The more time we spend in the Word to find out the heart of God, the more we can differentiate between what is our own heart and what is God's heart. And do know that there's been some, some real quality people who have not made this discernment. And uh, the most notable, of course, is Samuel. When Samuel was praying for Saul, and God says, get up. Now see, God's heart had left Saul, but Samuel's had not. And he could not discern between what was in his heart and what was in God's. Now I've had that with some people too, in that, uh, you know, there's, there have been some people in, in my past and they had gone off in a wrong direction and I felt for them and I, I, I would uh, labor for them sometimes in, in prayer. I can't say that I did it on a daily bit, uh, bit, but I did it sometimes. And every once in a while, I would get to connect with these people and, and see what was going on. I remember one in particular that uh, for years, I just kept thinking about this particular individual and some of the things he had been through and some of the things that other Christian leaders had put him through and kept praying for him, praying for him and um, and then uh, one time we were, I, I, I caught up with him and we said, hey, let's get lunch. And so we had lunch and we sat down. And after that lunch, I never had a heart for him again. Never came up, didn't button him, nothing. Because in there I saw he may have been led down a wrong road, but now he chose it. 
And once I saw he chose it, I just, all right, we're done. And I've never picked that up again. But we have to make sure that we get on the side of God right away. We waste our time if we are picking up the heart of something that is our own and not in the heart of God also. Now, if it's in the heart of God and in your heart, you know that's real good. <laughs> it's a real easy thing to pursue. Sometimes what's in God's heart is not in ours to do. But God says you need to go out there and to do it. And they can, that can be a little tougher to accomplish. But he says here, Thus says the Lord, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Now the word here for foolish is the Hebrew word nebal. You all know that word, don't you? It means stupid, wicked, foolish, or a vile person. You see, a fool is morally and spiritually insensitive. We're not talking, we're not talking fool as in just all out stupid. We're talking a fool as far as the Word of God is concerned and that they are morally and spiritually insensitive. They're inclined to atheism, blasphemy, and gross immorality. Now some scriptures for that. In Psalms 14.1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Psalm 74.18, remember this, that the enemy has reproached, O Lord, and that a foolish people has blasphemed your name. The third one, Second Samuel 13.13, and I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. This is speaking of the daughter of David. And um, this was just not a, not a good situation, but see, a, a foolish person will act in an immoral way. And this person in particular, the story, you're not going to get in all the ins and outs about the story. Go to the chapter if you want to read it. In this story, they could not tell the things that were moral and immoral and cause some uh, very bad behavior on their part. So Ezekiel describes the basic cause of their foolishness as the reliance on their own heart and failure to seek God's revelation. Those are the things he puts it down to. Thus says the Lord, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. But many of these people are coming out, Thus says the Lord. And they're saying something as if they had seen something from God. But God is saying, you've seen nothing. But if you pulled them aside, they would tell you, I've seen something. Either see something in the Spirit, seen something, uh, revelation, whatever it might be. They would tell you that they have seen it. But God says, you've seen nothing. So what they saw, God considered to be nothing. Wouldn't it be better if we can discern what is nothing before we think it's something? And these people could not. So, Son of Man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Now, in Jeremiah... 23, verse 16 to 22 and 29. You'll see some more things. You can go and read them later on if you want to on the foolishness on how this 
the, how he describes those that are foolish. And of course, in 1 Samuel 25, we all know the person who actually was named that. Can you imagine someone in the, the, the Jewish people naming their son foolish? But they did. Now, Judah had relied on these misleading prophets. They came to a place of reliance on them. Because the people, these people had grown corrupt. And their prophets had grown corrupt. As the people grew corrupt, they wanted corrupt things. Then there are people who rose up as a prophet who satisfied the corrupt things that the people hungered. So as they became corrupt and perverse, they followed their own thinking. They followed their own heart. And as they had gone this way, out of their own heart, they prophesied these things. But their own heart had gone in a perverse way. Because they didn't hang on to the Word of God. They didn't study the Word of God. They didn't keep themselves right in the way of God. And they allowed themselves to be taken off. Most people who have gone off in the area of spirit and done things in the area of prophecy or in any other false teaching have gone off because of their uh, lack of diligence with the Word of God. They they have seen some things in the Word and they just, you know, casually say, well, that's not for today, that's not for me, that's not really what it means, it's not really telling me not to do this, and um, have just come to that. Once you, once you start doing a little bit, then a little bit more comes, and a little bit more comes, and then pretty soon you can't tell the difference between your heart and God's heart. Verse 4 says, O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. Now the Hebrew word for foxes is the same as jackals. And they dig holes and they create places that cause stumbling. So if you're going through the desert and you hit a foxhole, you can trip and fall. And this is what they're doing. They're, they're creating stumbling blocks for the people. In verse 5, you have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle of the, on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. You see, their Israel was, was lacking in defense against their enemies. They were lacking in defense because of their immorality, because of going against the word of God. And these were people who should have stood up. They may even have had a call of God on their life to be a prophet. But they followed after the wrong things. And instead of going up and patching the, the, the walls, making the defense strong, instead of that, they were prophesying after their own heart and giving them false hope. He said again, You have gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination. These folks have actually gone in a way that the Lord God classified as divination in order to call up the things of God. Now, I I think about some of the things that go on today in the area of prophecy. And I wonder how God looks at it. Now, maybe they're not pulling out Ouija boards and calling on the stars and other things. But some some of these folks who want to get out there and talk about throwing flags around and blowing uh, shofars and all this sort of stuff to a call upon the, the name of the Lord. How is that far from divination? That's not just hearing the thing of God. I had to do something to call upon God to make Him come here and reveal Himself. God calls it divination. Whatever it is that they're doing to get these words, God calls it divination. Now they think 
they're getting the Word of God. They don't think they're getting the words from the stars. They don't think they're getting the words from the sun or the moon or idols or, or false things. They don't think that, but God sees them as doing so. So you have gone, you have not gone up into the gap to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in the, in the battle on the day of the Lord. They've envisioned futility and false divination saying, thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Now can you imagine if people went out in your name and says, thus says so and so. And you didn't say it. And they may say, really? They said that? Yeah, they said it. I heard them. Then then after a while it gets back to you that so and so is out telling people that you said or did something. I didn't say that. I would I wouldn't have said that. I know that's not true. But they're going out there and saying it. Now how mad would that get you? So how mad do you think God is that people are going out saying something that he said and he didn't say it? They're destroying the reputation of God. And if and if you're God, you can sure see why he would be angry. We have to be real careful whenever we say thus says the Lord. So we know, thus says the Lord. <laughs> because if, if we're not sure, we should not be saying it. But the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. So they're throwing some things out there for this to be confirmed. And they're hoping that it is. But apparently, it's not always confirmed. Now, we'll see this even today. I've seen it go on in, in, in churches where people seem to be pulling more on divination than they are on anything else. And you've got to be careful about it because some people in the church can pick up on the spirit realm. What the spirit, what's going on in the spirit realm. And it may not be the spirit of God that they're picking up on. And they can say some things that you would say they would not have any knowledge of that. But just because they have knowledge of something that didn't, that they wouldn't have known otherwise doesn't mean that God did it or that God spoke it. Because Satan is certainly, his kingdom is equipped with knowledge that's outside of what we can see. So don't, uh, don't be moved by that. Just because somebody knows something they shouldn't know, that doesn't mean that they know what God knows. So be careful about it. Now, a lot of times these, these people, when they go about doing things in the false prophet area, they're, they're not going to come around and give you something that'll be fearful at first. See, they got to get your confidence. And so they tell you things that, um, oh, just, you know, just easy things, easy going things and getting you some confidence in them. And then they come back, back with some stuff. I, I've heard this done. I've not seen it. I've only heard it done. That people come, you know, you'll be, uh, the Spirit of God says, unless you do this, you'll be dead in a year. Oh my. See, if you get the heart of God, you'd be able to uncover that. Especially when you look at the thing that they, they'd want to do. Very seldom those things have to do with repentance. Most times it has to do with something to help that person's ministry, that person and what they're doing. Verse 5. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in the day of battle. 
They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. I made this note. I don't think I put it in your outline. But uh, these people, just understand this, these people may be sincere and probably even are. They're sincere in their belief that God had spoken to them. But sincerity cannot replace the truth. Just because a person is sincere does not mean that they are right. You can be sincerely wrong. You can be sincerely deceived. And though you may be sincere in everything that you are saying, that you truly believe those things, it does not make it right. So the sincerity of someone is not proof of their authenticity. Now, false teaching will build hope. It builds false hope. And it builds, a, builds it on a false foundation. And basically, it sets us up to fall against the enemy's schemes. This is what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to paint us a false picture of hope. Not a picture of hope from the Word, but a picture, a, a different picture of hope. And it wants to get us to stand on a different foundation from the Word. If he can do that, if the enemy can do that in your life, give you a false hope and a false foundation, you will not stand against the things he will throw at you. Then Christians, good Christians, have fallen into this, this scheme of the devil. Now this was thousands of years ago, and this same scheme still goes on today. Give a false hope and give a False foundation. Now, I'll just give you a, a rough example of, of some false hope. You can have somebody who come in and they can begin to prophesy some things. And they may prophesy some things. Or you may have a health condition. And they may prophesy some things about a test that you took that's going to come back. And how positive that test is going to be. Then that test comes back and that test is positive. It's, it was a good test. It actually said, gave you encouragement that you're, you're going in the right direction. And then more and more of that goes on. And then pretty soon, we get our hope in the tests. And we've left our, and that's why I've told you, how many times have I told you this over the years? Do not pray and ask God for good test results. Good doctor's reports. These are not our hope. Our hope is in the Word of God. But you see, people will get swayed over to it. Now, just because you got good test results doesn't mean that you're in a bad way. <laughs> Don't think that. Thank God that uh, you'd go the way to God, then the test results come back good. But you see, your dependence isn't on it. You get no more excited over good test results than you got scared over bad ones. That means you're, you're in the right foundation. That's where you ought to be with the, with the thing. But if, I've seen more people that the devil's been able to, to get over into this, this area and uh, pretty soon they became dependent on the hope of something that is false. And then a bad test result comes and then you hear their, I've heard these words from them. I thought I was healed. I thought God had moved. And you see, they built on a false hope and a false premise and when the attacks came, everything was washed away. So if you wonder, well, am I, have I fallen for any of that? Probably not, but uh, it's really easy to tell. Just don't get, we don't get super excited about good 
about uh, good, not just test results, but any, any report. You don't get super excited about any good report, and you don't get down about any bad report. Get yourself in that, in that area. Once you're in that area, you're not in the false area of hope. But that's what they were trying to do with these folks. Get them into a false area of hope. They made promises in the name of God, but God did not make them. Such promises were, we're going home in two years. We, we heard that one. God won't permit anyone to destroy the temple. If Babylon does come, Egypt will help, help us destroy them. Peace is coming. These are the things that were, were said gave them false hope. God did not say these things would come. Now there's a stronger condemnation on those who lead people into error than those who fall into it. There's still condemnation on both. <laughs> but there's a stronger one for the people that lead them into error. 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 Verse 7. Have you not seen a futile vision? And have you not spoken false divination? You say the Lord says, but I have not spoken. Have you not seen a futile vision? That's what he calls them. And have you not spoken false divination? God considers anyone who speaks something in his name that he did not say as divination. And you don't want to be involved with that. The Lord says, I have not spoken. Just because people say, thus says the Lord, that's not proof that God said it. It's got to be consistent with the Word of God. They could be consistent with the Word of God. If the Word of God doesn't, doesn't back it up somehow, then, uh, then don't take it, thus says the Lord. Now, one could prove the words of the prophets by the Word of God. These, you could prove, you, you could make a case for what some of these false prophets are saying by the Word of God. Because one of the things they're saying is God won't allow Jerusalem, the, the temple in Jerusalem to fall. Well, you can go back and look at some of the verses of Scripture that talked about the temple and God promised blessings on it. And you could use those. You could look at God's promise of protection to Israel. And you could use some of those. You could go in there and you could find some verses of Scripture. But when you do that, you're not taking the whole of the Scriptures. As soon as you get to a place where you're taking this Scripture but ignoring this one. Because God says, if you will, if you will not serve idols, and they had served idols. They had gone after these ways. They had perverted the temple. They had brought false worship into the temple area. They had done these things. And what Jeremiah was saying, he was not going against these scriptures of blessing. What he was showing them was, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, was that God's word said that if you leave these principles of mine, if you stop doing my commands, then these things will come upon you. And there was nothing that any of these guys have prophesied with the pestilence, with the sword, with the famine. There is nothing they have prophesied that God's word did not say would come to them if they went the way of idols and did not follow the commands of God. So when we prove something by the word of God, we've got to take the whole counsel of God. We can't just take a verse here and there. And if somebody wants to prophesy something over you 
and just pull one verse and then you say, what about this verse over here? Well, don't worry about that verse. Just You just focus on... The, no, we take in the whole counsel. Verse 8. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense. <laughs> There's a good word, huh? Nonsense. And envision lies. Therefore, I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. He says what these folks have spoken is nonsense. That's how he classifies it. Now, you just think of what's going on here today in some of the stuff that we, we hear about and we look at and we, we consider it to be nonsense. We look at some of the things that people want to do in the area of gun control. I mean, it's nonsense. It makes no sense at all. How is it that the people who make the laws are allowed to have guns or people with guns to guard them, but the people who are subject to the laws cannot? I, I don't understand that. It's nonsense because if you look at every city that has carrier uh, licenses, they're the safest cities that are around. The cities that have the harshest gun laws are the most unsafe cities there are. They're the cities where people are getting shot all the time. So it's nonsense. It just makes no, no sense at all what they try and do and what they try and say. And they, they'll tell you, you know, we have to make laws about people getting certain guns. We have laws to prevent people from getting certain guns. The people that have done some of these uh, big shootings gain guns through illegal means. So this is where the nonsense comes in. If you're going to gain guns through illegal means, how is passing more laws going to stop that? <laughs> I, I, I don't. I mean, that's where the nonsense comes in. This just makes no. It makes no sense. That's what God is saying. What you're telling each other, it makes no sense. How can you say that God won't come and judge when you have left God and followed after idols? When you've sacrificed your babies, burned them in altars? How can you say that God wouldn't see that and that God wouldn't judge you? To God, it's nonsense. And a lot of things we're doing anymore, there's a lot of nonsense going on. He says, uh, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, they saw things and God calls them lies. Now, if they envision lies, if they see these lies, these things that God calls lies, if they see the peace of Israel, they see the restoration of the, of the captives going back to Jerusalem, if they see these things, they're seeing lies according to God. But they, they're saying they saw them. But they saw lies. So I can envision things, if I leave myself open to it, things that are not true. Now think of it also in the other way as well. How, how many times has the enemy tried to get you to envision destruction in your life? Problems on your job. Things in, in your health. And try to get you to envision this thing not working out. That's, that's an envisioned lie. It goes against the word of God. And that's what he says here. They've envisioned lies. These people saw something, but it was inspired by their own corrupt hearts. They wanted this to be true. Now, here's an example of one in Jeremiah chapter 20. Now, Pashur, the son of Immer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pashur struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, 
which was by the house of the Lord. And it happened on the next day that Peshur brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. And Jeremiah said to him, The Lord has not called your name Peshur, but Magor Misabib. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and your eyes shall see it. And I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive to Babylon, and slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the wealth of this city, all its produce, and all its precious things, all the treasures of the kings of Judah, I will give into the hand of their enemies, who will plunder them, seize them, and carry them to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. You shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die, and be buried there, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. So he was a priest who was also prophesying in the name of the Lord. Came up to Jeremiah. He's a leader of the people. Came up to Jeremiah and struck him. Put him in the, in the, in bonds so that all the people could see. And then when he brought him out, Jeremiah doesn't back down. He tells him right to his face, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to go on with you. You shall go to Babylon. There you shall die and be buried there with you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. I'm sure he wasn't too happy about that. You can go there and read the rest of the story if you want to. Verse 9 in Ezekiel 13. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter in the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am God. So he's saying this against these people who say, thus says God, they've envisioned futility, they divine lies, and they've said, the Lord has said this, and God says, my hand will be against the prophets that do this. And he said, then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Verse 10, because indeed, because they have seduced my people saying peace when there is no peace and one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Now this untempered mortar, this word is only used here in Ezekiel. No one else uses this particular word and he's going to use it a lot here in this, uh, this section. But they're prophesying peace. It's a false peace. Much of the same kind of peace that we have people talk about today there's a i gave i just listed a couple of uh, ones there's a piece of unbelief there's a piece of unbelief i have no convictions no nagging conscience to bother me i don't believe there is a god if i don't believe there is a god i'm not going to be judged i don't believe that there's a life after this so once i die that's it then i'm at peace with that well if i die i just stop existing because i believe that that's where it's, it's going to be there's a peace that comes because of a false belief there's a piece of self-righteousness. We have such a high view of ourselves that the thought of how good it is for God that I'm on His side. We are self-righteous. Because I'm self-righteous, God's not judging me. God only sees good things because look how good I am. And Jesus even told a story of that in the New Testament of someone who, who had that kind of self-righteousness. There's the piece of presumption presumes that God is mercy and God is too kind to punish evil. Haven't you heard that today? That ultra, ultra grace is out there and that is a piece of presumption. You don't have, even if you don't come to God, this is what they teach. And I can name you some, some prominent people 
in the body of Christ who teach this, but I'm not going to go through and, and name people on this. You should be able to hear it yourself. But anyone who wants to teach, you don't need to repent. You don't need to... to you're not a sinner. God, Jesus died for everyone. Because that's what the Word of God says. He died on the cross for all the world. So all the world must be saved. <laughs> you see, that's where you got to take a few verses of Scripture, but not all of them. Because the Word of God also talks about hell. It also talks about people going into hell. Jesus even gave stories of people in hell. This is a very real place. And God is putting people there, not because He's sending them, but because they've decided not to take the way out. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 13, Because from the least of them, them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness, and from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace. When there is no peace. People love to hear, hear the words peace. All oh, things are going to be good. Things are at peace and everything is fine. But we've got to find out what the Word of God says. The New Century Version puts Jeremiah 14 this way. They tried to heal my people's serious injuries as if they were small wounds. They said, it's all right. It's all right. But really, it's not all right. In Micah chapter 3 verse 5, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who make my people stray, who chant peace while they chew with their teeth, but who prepare war against him who puts nothing in their mouths. Now in case the meaning of that is blind to you, I think if you meditated on it a little bit, you'd get it. But I'm going to read it to you out of the New Century Version again. The word says this about the prophets who teach his people the wrong way of living. If these prophets are given food to eat, they shout peace. But if someone doesn't give them what they ask for, they call for a holy war against that person. Are there people, even today, if you give them what they want, they say all kinds of nice things. But if you come against them, if you don't give them what they want, they shout all kinds of stuff. This even comes into... You know, we, you know, we, I know none of you folks get into this global warming conspiracy and all the, all the stuff. You guys are, are, uh, well attuned to all that. But look at the people who want to make, they're prophesying, aren't they? They make a prophecy that in 10 years the world will end. They've been doing it since the 60s. 10 years, 20 years, whatever it might be that they come up with. But they keep prophesying that this is the end result. But it doesn't happen. But the whole reason that they prophesy that is because they want you to, to do things. They want you to give up things. They want you to, to go along or to, to pay some new tax that will help take the, some carbon tax that will help take this out and they'll have control over it. And as long as you go in with their plan, as long as you go along with their, their schemes and, and, uh, you give in to what they say to do, then everything is fine. But come against them and you're a denier. It's, it's the same kind of thing that they're facing here. If you give them what they want, they'll say peace. But if you don't, there is war. Verse 11 of Ezekiel. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding rain and you, O great hailstones, shall fall. And the stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, where is the mortar with which you plastered it? 
Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain in my anger, great hailstones and fury to consume it. So I will break down the wall you have plastered with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground, so its foundation will be uncovered and it will fall, and you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath on the wall and on all those who plastered it with untempered mortar. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who plastered it. Now, if you're wondering what all this is about, untempered mortar, you're looking at mortar that is not not right. It's not as strong as it should be. It's not uh, fixed. Whatever it's, it's needed in there isn't there. And this stuff is not going to hold together. But what you have is a bunch of people who have gone and said, oh, we got a wall that needs to be fixed. We're going to go out there and fix it. And they take this this untempered mortar and they begin to make patches. And it all looks great. As long as things are going well, it looks fine. It looks like, man, you guys did a great job. Thanks for, for, for taking care of the wall and putting that up. And he says, as soon as opposition comes, as soon as rain comes, as soon as hail comes, as soon as uh, a flood comes, Whatever it is, it hits that wall and that wall disintegrates. Everything that they put up there to patch this thing up where it just falls apart. And they say, where's the mortar that you used for this? It all, it all went away. Where is it? And he said, this is what they're doing. There is no substance to what they are saying. It won't hold up when the tough times come. When the hardship comes. When the judgment of God comes, this stuff will all crumble up and fall apart. Because there's nothing to it. This is what God is telling them. They have seemingly rebuilt the wall. They have seemingly called for peace. They have seemingly done some things to make this better. But God says, it won't do a thing. As soon as the rains come, as soon as the storms come, it's going to wash this thing away. Compare that to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Same kind of teaching. It's going with verse 16 here. The wall is no more, nor those who plastered it. That is, the prophets of Israel, who prophesy concerning Jerusalem, and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, says the Lord. So they keep saying, there is peace, there is peace, but there is no peace. And God is saying, I'm likening that to, to mortar that won't hold up. To mortar that won't, won't do any good. It'll, it'll come apart. And then we have a little bit of a turn here in verse 17. And this is a turn that you do not see very often in Scripture. We only see it a handful of times. In verse 17, Likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart and prophesy against them. What we see most often in the Word of God is there are prophecies against false teachers and false prophets and generally the word is just general it's just a you know just calls them that there are sometimes that there are prophecies against men 
There are some times when it talks about false prophets, it then names many of the men that are there that are doing this. But this is one of the few times that we have a word of God that came against the women. It is not the only time. But he says, Likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart and prophesy against them. Now, there's only a few places in Scripture that prophesy specifically against women. In Isaiah 3, 16 through 4, 1, Isaiah 32, 9 through 13, and Amos 4, 1 through 3. I gave you the references. If you want to look them up, you can. These are other times when it came specifically against women. Most of the time, it seems that the prophecies come against men and, um, and or just prophets and false teachers in general. But in the area of Israel, the women had a more prominent role in society than they did in most other societies. I'll give you a, a few uh, indications, a few few notes on that. You don't have to write these down. You probably will remember these. But in Exodus chapter 15, Miriam led the way. And uh, she was followed by Deborah. Deborah came along and, and she was leading the way. We also saw that there was a woman by the name of Huldah. She had been almost as prominent as Josiah's Reformation. And that was in 2 Kings 22, 14-20 and 2 Chronicles 34 and verse 22. Now just like there were ones that were influential for the good, there was also those that were influential on the bad. Ezekiel probably has in mind some people that God might be thinking of. When he got this word, he's probably thinking back in the, when he was back in uh, Jerusalem, he might be thinking, oh yeah, well there was this gal and there was this woman and there was this person here. So he may be thinking of specific ones, but God does not say their name and he doesn't. And, um, let's see, we have, there was, um, The prophetess, Noadiah, she headed the opposition to Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 14. In the New Testament, we had the good ones as far as Anna in Luke 2 and 36, and the daughters of Philip in Acts 21, 19. Oh, you also may remember, of course, Jezebel. She was in the Old Testament. She was a, she was a nasty one. But on the bad side of the New Testament, we have uh, the prophets, prophetesses of Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 11.5, we have another Jezebel, the woman Jezebel, who called herself a prophetess in Romans chapter 2 and verse 20. Do not associate the Jezebel of the Old Testament with the Jezebel of the New Testament. They are different. A lot of times they try and pair them together because their name is the same. Just because they share the same name doesn't mean they shared the same problem. They were different. So we see in the Word of God, it talks about some women who did some good things and there were some women who did some bad things. Far more is the men who did good things and the men who did bad things. We have that even even more often. But here specifically, he turn, turns over to the women. Verse 18, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the women who sew, who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of people of every height to hunt souls. Now that's an unusual phrase, isn't it? To hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? And will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley 
and for pieces of bread, killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Hmm. Whole lot in there. Will you profane me among my people? So these, these women were profaning God among the people of God. Four handfuls of barley or pieces of bread. There was a price that could be paid that these people would do this for. Can you imagine going against the things of God for a price? How short-sighted is that? Killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Now you can just go back to the woman of Jezebel and how many people that she put to death who should have been alive and how many people she kept alive who should have been put to death. She was, of course, a very glaring example of that. We have a lot of detail of her in the Word of God. But just like her, there were others who did the same thing. And in verse 19, it says that they listened to lies. Do you know that listening to lies can become a habit? Once we start listening to lies and accepting those lies, it seems we can't turn off the, the listening, listening to them. Th- think of it this way. How many of you have been in the, in the shop? I, I think that they're still there. The areas that I usually go and check out when I'm in the, the few times I'm in the shopping, uh, the shopping stores, the, you know, the giants and whatever else it is. I usually go through the self-check spot. I know people like to put up those things. You know, I don't work here, so I'll let other people. But uh, I'm just, I just want to get out. And I'm not usually in there for a whole lot of things, so I just go through the self-check. And I don't see any of that stuff in the self-check. But I know when I used to go through the longer part, they would have those uh, tabloids. And, you know, they would talk about, you know, so-and-so is this and so-and-so this. And, you know, they have some crazy headlines. You know, so-and-so was taken up in a uh, UFO and examined by aliens and aliens have invaded this area over here and and just all kinds of stuff and most of the things that they would bring up are lies and uh, but people have an appetite appetite for it and so these these i don't even know what they're they're called but uh, these these tabloid i know that's what they, they call them generally but they all have different names and then people would go and they would buy these even though they know that most of these things aren't true they would still pick them up and read them. All you're reading is lies. But they don't care. They want to read them. Because once you get an appetite for lies, it just seems that you pursue it. And you go after it all the more. It's not helpful for you. It's not healthy for you. But people do it. You, know, you, you look at people that go after unhealthy food all the time. And you might be thinking, oh, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that all the time. That would, uh, that would upset me. That would uh, upset my stomach. I, I couldn't eat that kind of food. But there they are. They're just chowing down on it and having a good old time. But you see, they, they condition themselves to that. And if you conditioned yourself to it, you'd be able to eat that kind of food without any problem. Now, if you go in there and you have one of those uh, unhealthy things, you like, oh, man, I, you feel sick. Yeah, yeah. You want to throw up when you, when you eat the stuff. It's just, it's not good. Because you see, you got conditioned on, on better food. When you get yourself conditioned on better food, bad food tastes bad. When you're conditioned on bad food, bad food tastes good. And that's what happens here with these people. The, um, the lies come back. And they, and they, they love them. 
You know, I, I try to keep some of the political stuff. I'm, I'm far more aware politically than I ever let you all know. You could ask me about just about any subject that's going on in our country politically, and I could tell you the backstory on most of it. I leave you out of it for most of it, because if I, if I bring something up on Sunday, it's because somehow it relates to your spiritual life, or somehow it's affecting people's spiritual life. And I try and keep it into those, those areas and, and try and bring things uh, along that way. But I still get aware of, um, of many things that are going on. Um, but I'll bring some of them some of them up, and you may remember some of the ones that I have brought up before, because people have bought into the lot to the lies, and the uh, and when I hear about the lie, and I hear that all right, people are really getting into this thing, I'll come up here, and I'll, I don't like to take time on Sunday morning to deal with stuff like that, but sometimes it's necessary because the lie has gotten in, and um, and we'll spend some time on it and just show you, you know, this is what's what's going on, but. You know, I, uh, this one case, you know, this is years ago, so I, this is probably not in, fresh in anybody's memory, so we're probably pretty safe with this one. <laughs> but you remember when that young man was killed, I think it was down in Florida? Uh, you know, the, the, the hands up, don't shoot guy? Even though testimony came out about that, that, and the testimony came from people of all races, even though it was investigated, and people who were black, people who were brown, people who were yellow, people that were whatever color they were, all testified to the same thing. Even though there was evidence of the man's handprints in the policeman's car trying to get the gun. Even though all the evidence supported what the police officer said went on. You could, t- you could list all that stuff out there and how many of you know there are people who say, I don't believe that. Because they are so set on receiving a lie. And this is why sometimes I'll come out and I'll bring these things these up. Because if we accept a lie, we will have a hard time accepting the truth. Now this happens in the political area, not only for people that you like, but also for people that you don't like. You know, you all know that I, I am more favorable towards a President Trump than I was towards a President Obama. There were many things I didn't like about President Obama and his policies, and also as far as he was concerned with what he would reveal himself. And to some of you folks, I've disclosed some of those, those things. But I had to be careful in that area because people would say things about even a President Obama that were false. They were not true. And I had to be careful because, see, if you don't like someone, you want to believe the false reports. If you do like someone, you want to believe the good reports. And you cannot go on that. You have to be sold out to, I want the truth, whether I like it or whether I don't. And so even in those, those areas, I, I said, no, I heard this, but I don't know that that's true and I went and checked it out. No, that wasn't true. That didn't happen. And so you've got to be careful that you don't go um, mouthing something off, passing on something that's a lie, but it's, it's not true. Just because you want it to be true. Just because you, you'd like it if it was true. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. See, listening to lies can become a habit. And that's what he's talking about here. By your lying to my people who listen to lies. Don't be a person who listens to lies. Be a person who checks things out. Make sure that they aren't going that direction. In verse 20, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Because, behold, I am against your magic charms by which you hunt souls there like birds. 
I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go, the souls you hunt like birds. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hand. And they shall no longer be as prey in your hand. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Well, they have veils over their faces. They have charms. They have uh, uh, things sewn into their sleeves. What kind of a picture do you get? Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and you have strengthened the hands of the wicked, so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. These are talking about people that practice divination, people that practice things in the area of tarot cards and fortune, fortune telling and, and things like that. Isn't it odd that almost, not always, not completely, but most of the people that you see doing tarot cards, fortune telling, and such things of that are women. Just about every time that you see... I mean, if you watch the TV and you see when they bring these people in, they don't bring guys in doing it. I'm not saying the guys are are good because they don't, because they got their own problems. (laughs) But it seems that if you go into any of these places and you see who's running them, it's women running them here. And here in the Word of God, he's talking about the women of Israel were falling into these practices and pulling people in with these lies. Now, we haven't gone, we, I would never go into, I wouldn't walk into a place. I wouldn't bother walking in to try and take authority over. I'm staying out of that place completely. I don't need to be in there. I'm not going in there. I don't want to give them a chance to say anything to me. But, you know, my wife and I, we heard about some people, you know, we have some relatives that are unsaved. <laughs> and they've gone, she was just telling me about one not too long ago who um, uh, had a situation going on. They went into one of these places and uh, the woman there was was telling them different things that were that were going on, and they believed it. This is what was going on these days. These people were practicing this kind of divination, practicing whatever kind of uh, things they did to tell people's fortunes and tell people's futures, and they were pulling them in. They were all going along with these same lies: peace, safety. Therefore, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your magic charms by which you hunt souls like birds. The people who do these things, they are hunting souls. That's why we shouldn't only, don't even get near them. They're there to hunt. And I'll tell you, there are people that do this. And there are, uh, in this particular thing with, with women, uh, I, I don't tell this story often. But I have told it once or twice. And I know I've told it to the people here. But when I was down at Ken's Pizza going to Raymond, the Lord let me see unfold an attack from women on to a particular guy for no other purpose than to pull him down. It's the only purpose they had. They made like they really liked them and they had no affection for him. They actually despised them. And their only purpose was to pull them down. And I was able to see this thing. I had absolutely no influence on any of the thing that was going on there. And couldn't stop it. Couldn't influence it. Couldn't turn it away. Around. I just had started there, this, this place. But I saw the whole thing unfold. I remember another time we were over at the mall. 
and my son was with me. We were standing up in the balcony in the Montgomeryville Mall by the food court. We were waiting for, I don't know, the, um, whoever else was, was in the mall with us. We were waiting for them to get on over. So he and I were watching over the balcony. You know how you have those kiosks? And there was a woman at one of the kiosks, and she was uh, selling something. And she pulled some big old guy over. And I, I just took that as an opportunity. I said, you see that? That woman doesn't care about that man at all. But she's going to sell him on the fact that she does so that he'll buy something that, he, that she has. And we just watched. And we saw the whole thing unfold. Now, fortunately, I learned that lesson because, you know, when I was working for Kelchner's Horse Riders and I was going off on the road and I was single and just going into hotels and just staying overnight in the hotels and no one else knew me there. But I knew this, this, this one girl and I'd seen her every time I was going and she was one of the helpers there. And I didn't have any choice but I had to go in there and do my job. And she was around. And I remember one time in particular, she made it very, very well known to me that she didn't have any company that night. And she would love to have some. But see, I listened to what my God said about what was going on out there. I just smiled, got the thing signed, and I left. I didn't tell any people anywhere where it was that I stayed, where it was that I went, I was in a soul who knew, and every time I went into a hotel, I stayed at the same hotel, and I always struck up a relationship with the people who ran it. And I let them know, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister of the gospel. So if ever temptation came, <laughs> it was like, these people are going to see what you're doing. But I never had to, had to rely on that, but I would always make sure. See, I just I undercut every possibility that the devil could have. And that's because they were out there doing this. And that's what these women were doing. And God was not happy with them, as you can certainly understand. He says, Because with lies you have made the heart of righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. God didn't say something to make them sad, but they did. And you have strengthened the hands of the wicked so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. Verse 23, Therefore you shall no longer envision futility nor practice divination. For I will deliver my people out of your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. They use visions of futility, practices of divination to lure these people into the wrong way. This, you don't have, I didn't have room to keep it in your outline, but if you want to write any of these things down, you can. There are ten characteristics of false teachers from this passage. First off, they spoke of their own will, not God's. That was in verses 1 through 3 and verse 17. I'll leave this up here on the screen if you want to come up and look at it. They made the people a prey instead of performing a ministry for them in verse 4. Their ministry offered no real help in verse 5. They didn't patch up the walls. They claimed their revelations were divine to deceive the followers. their followers and easily deceived others because they were deceived themselves. as verse 6 and 7. They failed to stand against sin and declare an empty message and declared an empty message without truth. Verses 6 through 9. They preached a message of peace, prosperity, and safety in the face of imminent judgment in verses 10 through 12 because they failed to relate the consequences of sin. 
And the Word of God always relates the consequences of sin. Their ministry provoked the wrath of God and invited His judgment. Their ministry provoked the wrath of God and invited His judgment. Verses 13 through 16. They often use false methods and occult practices to legitimize their work and control their victims. And 17 through 21. They encourage iniquity by word and personal example. Verses 22 and 23. And they set up the worst idols, their own self-will. And we saw that in several verses here in chapter 13, and we'll also see it in the beginning of chapter 14. Now, there will be temptations to listen to lies for us instead of the truth. We have to resist the allure of the lies because listening to those lies will pull us into a wrong place and will hinder us from being able to discern what is right and what is wrong. There will be temptations to listen to lies instead of pursuing the truth, to be silent when we should speak the truth we know, to speak when we have not heard, and to declare what is in our heart as though it was the heart of God. Those are things we have to be on the on the guard for. Temptations to listen to lies instead of pursuing the truth. See, lies are not pursued They'll come right to you and we just have to listen to them. At all, oh, they seem, they're so much fun just to listen to. But truth, you gotta pursue it. We know truth. We gotta speak those truths. And the enemy's gonna try and make you be silent. He's gonna try and make you speak, but you haven't heard from God. But I think, or I feel, he wants you to declare what is in your own heart as though it was the heart of God. Those who speak falsely, they will not take to the whole counsel of God. They will take a few scriptures here and there. How many remember the book Hal Lindsey wrote, The Late Great Planet Earth? Now, that came out, I believe, in the late 80s. When that book came out, and me reading that book, that book pushed me to the area of a post-tribulation rapture because I saw so many holes in everything that he wrote. And it angered me. And I said, if he's preaching it this way, it cannot be true. And he even uh, predicted that the world would end in 88, I believe it was. I guess uh, his book may have come out earlier than that, but he was predicting the end of the world by 1988. Of course, he had to since recant that and and, uh, come up with something else because 88 has already come and gone. But you won't take in the whole counsel of God. We have to take in the whole counsel of God. If we believe any kind of doctrine, but we can't take in all that the Word of God has to say on it, somehow the doctrine we have is not complete. We don't know it. So those who speak falsely will not take the whole counsel of God in. They will not feel the need to defend their belief. If you challenge them on anything, they won't feel any need to defend it. One reason is they can't. And they know they cannot. They, they, can't, uh, they can't hold this up in any kind of debate. I heard uh, someone say Al Gore would never run for president again because this whole thing of global warming would come up into a debate and he knows he can't debate it. Debate it. And so he stayed away from it. He just went out there and just, just tried to promote that and he made quite a fortune off of just promoting that. But they don't feel the need to defend their belief 
if you come against them for their, for what they teach, they will put you down. They will come against you. People who speak falsely, they don't take in the whole counsel of God. They don't feel the need to defend their belief. You see, if you, anytime that, if I have a belief on something and somebody doesn't think that it's true or somebody doesn't know about it, what rises up inside of me is all the things that support it from the Word of God. And I get excited. And I want to tell them, oh, it's in here, and it's in here, and it's in here, and it's over here, and it's here. And you remember when Philip found the eunuch on the side of the road and he didn't know about Christ? He got excited and he took him all the way back in the beginning of Scripture and how all the prophets and all the just all showed Christ. He took the whole counsel of the Word of God. He's excited to do it. You see, that's the sign of a person who's of the truth. The people that are of lies. Ah, we don't have to defend this. If you can't see the wisdom in all this, then you're just stupid. You're just no good. We don't need you. No need. Feel no need to defend their belief. They classify opposition as attacks from Satan. See, people that are of God, they don't classify everything as attacks from Satan. Sometimes it's just ignorance. Sometimes it's just people who don't know. And you look at Paul and how much did he just get a heart for these people and just want to com- communicate to them all the things of God. That's a person who's of the truth. They call what they are doing a new thing if they can't find it in the Word of God. And they'll go back to that one verse of Scripture that says, I will do a new thing. So whatever they're doing, they call it a new thing if they can't find it in the Word of God. They are very interested in you until they deem you unconvincible. And then they will treat you like dirt and wash their hands of you. And see, that's not the way of God. God doesn't treat people like dirt. He constantly wants to come after you. And look, just look at the book of Ezekiel. How much is God trying to come after His people? Even though it seems like they're not going to be convinced, He comes after them again. He gives Ezekiel another word. He gives them another demonstration. He comes after them again. But you see, people that are not of the truth, they hit the point where they feel like they cannot convince you. They will write you off. They will begin to blacklist you to other people, tear your character apart to help justify their own actions and to put a block between the people that follow them and listening to you. Those are the characteristics. Now, who does all that sound like? Sounds like the spirit of Antichrist, doesn't it? And that's exactly who's behind anything that's false. Once you get to know what the spirit of Antichrist does, you can recognize it at any time. And anyone who is of the spirit of Antichrist cannot be of God. Cannot be. That's when you just know, ah, you're false. Smile and go on. You don't have to go and cut them down, berate them, any of those kind of things. Because the truth will always come out. We don't have to be afraid of what is false. God has warned us over and over that they are out there. But there's no need for us to be afraid. Because God has shown us how to expose them. So if you just took that short list I gave you, 
you'd be able to, to pinpoint anyone who's not true. You see, we're, we're not all, everything that I believe is not truth. Everything that you believe is not truth. We still got some untruth in us. But as long as we're on the side of God and we're pursuing Him, He's going to purge that out of us. And as soon as I begin to think, oh, wait a minute, this might not be true. My antennas go up. I want to hear more. Tell me more about this. Because I want, I want to make sure the way I'm going is right. But you see, when you are of what is false and you are hit with that same thing, that what is in you is not true, walls come up. Defenses come up. You start hurting the people that are around because you're not interested in being having the untruth exposed. You're only interested in people seeing you as right. That attitude right there will tell you between those that are true and those that are false. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the picture that it paints for us that you are against those who are not of you. You are against those who prophesy of their own heart. Who say, thus says the Lord, when God has not said anything to them. For their words are foolishness. And their foolishness will be seen to those around. But to those who have swallowed the deception, that foolishness they can't see. But I thank you, Father, that we are children of light and we walk in the light we will not be caught unaware. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.